Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. And welcome in to Poke the Bear, episode 18. I'm Evan Marinovsky, Connor Ryan. Connor, how we doing? Evan, I'm uh, splendid. How are you doing? I am doing wonderful because today, or as in when you're listening, it's yesterday, I'll be moving out of quarantine. I'm done. I'm you're good. A free man. I'm free. I'm a free man. I can free my boy Evan Marr. The hashtag worked. Uh, he didn't do nothing wrong. Uh, but yes, I'm out. Finally out. I'm going to be out in about two hours from when we're recording this. So very happy to finally get that beautiful bit of fresh air hit me right in the face i come out i think it's really cold out i have not been outside i was gonna say i think you have some uh bad i think you got some bad time and you went in and it was like 75 degrees on the weekend when you had to go in now i think it's friggin' 30 degrees again so yeah it's funny when when it was all nice outside that weekend going into that weekend my friends like oh we're, we're gonna be able to go outside and do stuff and we're gonna do some activities whatever and then obviously none of that happened because i was stuck in a hotel room but yes but it is better timing because i know kids coming into this hotel now who are going to miss thanksgiving ah, so i think i hit it at the perfect time i missed the cool weather in the ass. i missed the warm weather but i don't miss thanksgiving um, yeah so i guess i'll take that trade-off um, even though thanksgiving is going to be boring as hell this year but that's yes. okay um better than being in a hotel Better and now, than being like, in a hotel. And now that you've been on the inside you can kind of give everyone the lay of the land of what to expect well i was doing tiktok vlogs of all my food that I was eating. So that ah. I was doing I every meal because people would ask me, what are you getting for, for food in there? And I was, I'd tell them, they're like, you should just make TikTok vlogs. And I'm like, that's a good idea. So I did it. None went viral. I was hope my goal, I told my friend this, was to go so viral that like people were sending in gifts from around the country to the point where like the hotel couldn't handle the amount of gifts. And that never <laughs> happened. It never happened. But was there, was there was, anything, was, was there anything promising though? There were any good dishes. I, I know um, UMass is supposed to be like the, the number the one dining. Right? No, it's number one. It's like dining. that's what they flex on more than I think anything else. Like I think is UMass like how good their their cafeterias and stuff are. Dining halls and yes, uh, same the thing. Best in the best in the nation. Best in the nation. Everyone knows that. Uh, four years in a row. It's a dynasty at this point. Um, but yes, the food's fine. I mean. Um, you know, like I'd get pulled pork sand, like pulled pork sandwiches, my favorite for lunch, uh, dinner, a lot of lasagna, a <laughs> lot of raviolis, lot of, a lot of like, just, you know, some good rotisserie chicken I liked. So I was, I was cool with it. I was very cool with it. The worst was though, to drop my breakfast off at like, you know, eight 30 and I wouldn't wake up till like <laughs> 10. <laughs> it was time for that. Who wakes up that early? 
<laughs> so it's like you're in college. You can wake up now at this time. But nonetheless, happy to be done with it. Uh, and yes, I actually well, welcome back. Uh, well, yes, welcome back to uh, real life in about an hour. So today we will quickly discuss. I want to just go over real quick uh, where the NHL is and returning, and then we'll get to this fun New England sports survey, which. Uh, I imagine we'll both have some opinions on. So lay of the land right now in the NHL. They they have said tentatively they want to start January 1st. Probably not going to happen. Uh, and it's even sadder because the NBA seems to have a plan of when they're going to come back, how they're going to come back. Uh, they released it. The NHL, not so much. What is the latest on the NHL front? Yeah, I mean, as you said, it's kind of jarring when you compare the NBA to the NHL because the NBA, I mean, they just wrapped up their draft. They're starting free agency. They've already set the date for, I think, December 22nd. So the NBA is going full steam ahead. I mean, it's literally only been uh, a little over a month since the Lakers won, and they're already just kind of just rolling with it now if they're starting the new season. But you look at the NHL and what they were planning. I mean, October 6th, is, I think, is when they first announced that they wanted to set January 1st as a starting date. And since then, there really hasn't been any news at all, like any concrete news, right? I mean, we heard Gary Bettman talk about, you know, short, short-term hubs and, you know, possible realignment. But there's been nothing that's set in stone. It's all kind of conjecture of, like, this is – probably what we're going to do. It's like, all right, well, if January 1st is your starting date, you, I mean, you got to get the ball and you have to at least have some, some framework set in place. And it seems like as of the past week, the NHL and NHLPA have been meeting uh, pretty regularly. I think the return to play committee, um, they've been meeting. Um, but again, you're not really seeing much in terms of progress being made. And if anything, you're starting to see some other hurdles kind of uh, pop up. I mean, there's, so much, so many things they have to go through, right? Where it's safety protocols and travel and uh, realignment, all this shit they have to deal with. But now, like you're seeing that the other hurdle right now is the fact that it seems like the owners reportedly want more salary deferment for the players, which, uh, understandably, they're not too thrilled about having to give up more money. I mean, you you look at you look at the way this the the CBA was signed back in July and they signed that extension. You're like, all right, well, this is still going to be a tough year. The next couple of years are going to be tough, but at least they have, you know, labor peace. You know, they at least have a framework set in place and it wasn't ideal for the players, right? I think it's like a 20% escrow and I think 10% of the salaries deferred next year. Not ideal, but part of the gig, right? In terms of what you have to prepare for where the team is going to, the league's going to lose revenue. But now apparently, um, according to Larry Brooks in the New York Post, the NHL wants an additional 13% deferment on top of that 10, which, I mean, I think if you, you crunch all the numbers, it ends up being, you know, they're making 55 to 60% of what their actual payout is supposed to be next year, which is ideal, right? I mean, you also compare the, fa- you compare the fact that too, that, uh, the guys who have signed this year who are signing way below market value, the guys who are still not signed. I mean, Mike Hoffman, I think, is still just waiting by his phone. Right? That's right, but Mike like, Hoffman. Oh, my God. Remember him? I, I mean, like, there's all these guys that are still not signed yet that, all right, when they finally get paid, they're going to get paid below the market value, and you're going to get maybe half of that in terms of just the actual gross payout. So um, we'll kind of see what happens with the league, what they do with that. Apparently, you know, we saw a few reports of the players – not thrilled about it. I mean, you'd think that 
the CBA maps out the fact that they can't prorate salaries. That's not an avenue they can take, but you would think where they have a lot of these agreements set in stone in terms of these financial concessions that they wouldn't then be like, oh, by the way, uh, here's another 13% we want to take away. So it's an ongoing process right now, but uh, it's just one more kind of wrench to throw into the operation, right, in terms of um, getting this season off the ground because if you know, if they want to realistically start by early January, you need to get the ball rolling really quick because, again, we're going to have training camp. We'll be starting up in less than a month now if that's what they they want to hope for. And there's a lot of work to knock out first. There's a ton of work to knock out. And I also think that when you really look at it, um, the only thing I think that matters to the league more than the health of their players is the money aspect of it, right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. that seems to be – this could be the, the holdup. I think there's also a part of them that's like COVID's getting really bad. There's a lot of spikes around the country. I mean, the whole country's spiking. Maybe we need to be wary of this. I mean, you look at what ho- what hockey East is going through right now. Now, granted, yeah. those are colleges. Those kids aren't getting you know paid to play, so it's a little bit different. But you know, they got to figure this out soon. They have to. I mean, I and I know the COVID cases are bad. We've we've talked about this before. But if the NBA is going to have a plan to come back, just Follow their plan to come back if you can't figure out how to exactly do it. The money aspect of it, though, is a totally different thing. So that right. does have to get sorted out. I'm not an economist. I'm not an accountant. Uh, that is on them. That is completely on them. I'm not going to pretend to to know every little in and out of what they, you know, I don't have an opinion on what they should do. Just I want them to come back as soon as possible. And I think we all do. Yes. So that is where the NHL is right now. But more importantly, <laughs> there is this New England sports survey. That I think I think got sent out to like over fifteen thousand people, mm-hmm. or fifteen thousand people via email did this. Um, I don't know who did this, but people did, according to Channel Media and Market Research, I believe. Uh, they're a company based out of I think Sudbury. Um, so every year they release this survey, uh, and they you know survey for each sport. They survey how the sports go up against each other. They survey the media, um, all that, all of that. Um, and there were some very interesting answers with the Bruins. There were some, some very Bruins interesting fans. Wow. Yes. Bruins fans were not too happy with their team. Um, so to start out, I mean, you know, the how often did you follow the Bruins? The numbers weren't that crazy. Um, but when you get into – actually, here's an interesting one. What grade would you give the Boston Bruins for the 2019-20 season? B+. Plus. Is what what uh, most respondents gave them. Thirty three percent said B plus. Last season, the eighteen nineteen season was A minus, and before that, just to give it out, seventeen eighteen was a B. So, feels like B plus is kind of right. I mean, right? I mean, you you won the Presidents yeah. Trophy, but you lost in the second round. Mm-hmm. I'd say that makes sense. That's, right? a, that's, that's a fair. That's a fair critical uh, breakdown of how the season went. I thought it was gonna when you said that it was gonna be. B minus C plus or something like that. Cause everyone only kind of remembers how the season ended, not how great they were for the first. Well, that comes into months, pl- right? that comes into play with somebody else. Um, so they, of course the Bruins have like no moves they did so that, you know, how do you rate the following signing Grizzly, signing Kevin Miller, not re-signing Krug. Obviously that one was overwhelmingly, you know, negative. Mm-hmm. Um, but Grizzly was positive. Kevin Miller was average. People were just kind of like, whatever about it. Um, I would like for the Boston Bruins to re-sign Zdeno Chara to a one-year deal for next season. Uh, most people actually were a 
seven, six, or five, which is completely agree, mostly agree, pretty much agree. Um, but for the question, and I have not tweeted this yet, would uh, you like the Boston Bruins to keep Tukarask as their goaltender? Uh, only 10% completely agreed. 21% rated that a one. Completely disagree. Uh, 16% had it at two. 19% at three. Those are the highest numbers of them all. So Rask overwhelmingly fans said they would not like uh, to keep Tuka Rask as their goaltender. I find that fascinating. Fascinating. I mean, you would think after... I mean, I know why people are voting that way. I mean, the the way the season ended, there's people who, regardless of the reasoning why he left the bubble, you're still going to have people who are still going to, you know, take their own opinion or not justify the very valid reasons why he left the bubble. That's been, like, proven now, right? Like, yeah, it's I not, mean, it's not like a theory. It's legit. Yes, no, yeah. So, but again, you're not going to change people's opinions. People already had strong opinions on him anyway, which, you know, whatever. But you would think after that, uh, that playoff run where Halak, you know, held his own, but still wasn't had a, quite a few games where he let, let a few softies in that you're like, all right, come on, man. You would think that would be a moment where people would be like, oh, well, maybe two guys pretty good, you know, but uh, apparently not. Apparently it's, you know, regardless of uh, the, you know, track record he has or how the huge of Vesna runner up last year. Apparently, you know, I, I just don't think he can get out of that kind of narrative that I think people have painted him in this town, you know, as whether it's not, you can't win with them or he's not invested or whatever kind of argument they want to kind of craft to fit how they think about him. But uh, I mean, I, I, I understand Bruins fans are very passionate. And I can find like the reasoning for a lot of, you know, differing, you know, opinions that I can respectfully disagree with. I, the Tukarask one, I still think like melts my brain in terms of. It's so funny because, you know, I, you know, I tweeted this out and there were a lot of fans from other teams that, you know, commented on it and they're like, Bruins fans don't deserve Tukarask. Like really don't. I mean, and I love Bruins fans. I do. I, I love them. They're great. They're, you know, passionate people and i respect that and by the way not all bruins fans hate to don't like to grasp a lot like him a, a lot like him it's not like you know this is a 100 negative but just from the survey i mean you have a good portion of respondents saying yeah i don't want to as my goal anymore i mean what did you what do you want i mean i i get i understand that around the league you know you have jordan bennington winning a cup randomly you know you have some of these backup goalies taking their teams deep but that is like once a playoffs does a team, you know, one team every year does that. That's yeah. not like a, a consistent way to win. I mean, you know, Vasilevsky just won. Rask took him there, you know, in, in, you know, a year before. Braden yeah. Holtby won it the year before. Like, I don't understand. Well, uh, I mean, there's, there's, there's also the fact too that even these teams that have these goalies are going crazy runs. Like, you, you know, there's people who could probably tell the argument that, you know, getting a hot goalie in the playoffs is just like having a, a running back. You can get anyone in there, but as long as the system's in place, well, it's like, well, I mean, you can make that argument, but 
yeah, you can't just expect, you know, Dan Vladar or Jeremy Swayman, who I think you will need to pump the brakes on in terms of, you know, Jeremy Swayman's a fantastic goalie prospect, but like, who's not getting dropped into the NHL right away. Like, for as, That's going to be a few as, years before yeah, that happens. Yeah, as great as uh, Swayman was in college, like, don't forget, like, Zane McIntyre won the Mike Richter Award and who looked like he was a world beater in the NCAA, and then he did nothing up here, right? So, again, exactly. not saying that not saying that Jeremy Swayman still doesn't project to be a great goalie down the road, but those guys need a lot of time to adjust to the pro ranks. So, um, but, you know, you look at Bennington, you look at Anton Hudobin, all these guys, it's like, Yes, they're good goalies, but also look at the system around them. I mean, <laughs> look at look at Jordan Bennington and that that team that they built around them in terms of just the how large you know that that defense was, how you know uh, dynamic they were. I mean, you got Petrangelo, Pareko, um, you know, Jake Bomeys are all yeah, Edmondson, all these huge dudes. Like helps out quite a bit when you have that, right? And look at Dallas. Dallas had had a, a big decor too, and a lot of impactful guys. Um, so, I mean, all those things are going to play into it. But it's not like, again, you're just going to pick some random dude and regardless of what the team is around them, they're just going to go on this crazy unconscious run. Like, that's not how it works. I mean, um, you think Rask came in second for the Vesna, Like, came in second for the Vesna Trophy. And you have fans saying, I, I, I don't really want him. I mean, I look, I understand at the time when, when the immediate impact when Rask left the bubble, we all were like, what, what what's the deal with this? And it was always this, like, these whispers of there was something going, something happened at home mm-hmm. that that got him to not want to be here. But then, it, you know, he confirmed it to Greg Hill, confirmed it to Steve Conroy. Like it all got talked about, all got reported, and it just doesn't. People don't really get it. Like they don't, they don't. It doesn't register. It doesn't fit. Uh, you know, it doesn't fit. Get, the, it doesn't yeah. fit the narrative. And it also, you know, people want Raskin net. They think that. I think sometimes they think you know athletes and celebrities are held to a higher standard in a lot of instances they should be they're getting paid mm-hmm. a lot to do a game or you know act or whatever it is but they're also people they're people too and they have real life issues so I so mean, be it yeah i mean again it, it just doesn't fit i think for a lot of these fans who've c- committed to the the tuka rask you know their opinion of them i think it just doesn't fit your narrative to to find any kind of positives in it anymore i mean i, I you look at the fact that Rask was all but a lock to win the Conn Smythe, you know, in, in, in 2019 and then game seven happens. Right. Which again, I don't know if you want to blame him for the, you watch that game again and tell me which of those kind of goals he stops. And you know, when Joakim Nordstrom's your best player on the ice, you're probably not going to win a fucking game seven of a Stanley cup final. So it's true. Uh, and also you look at, I mean, 2013, he was probably the Conn Smythe favorite if Boston won the cup. And all he's kind of remembered for is, the, the two goals against Chicago in game six. So again, like even if the Bruins win a cup, let's say next year, like, you know what? A lot of people are going to be very happy with Tuka Rask. You're still going to have uh, the 20% of the, the fan base. You're still going to be like, well, anyone could have done that. I really thought 2019 was going to be it. I really thought that was going to be the year. I really thought that was it. I was like, this is, this is when the narrative changes. This is when people are like, Oh, you know, Rask pretty good. Uh, but it's funny. I mean, the, the two goals in 17 seconds thing too, like that's just net front coverage. Like no one looks at boy, Chuck and Ferentz and, and says like, Oh, you should have covered your guy better. Like yeah, the like, Xbox control is disconnected. They're just, yeah, chilling out just, just puck watching. Like I find that fascinating to me 
that more people don't like talk about the terrible net front coverage. But they well, just want to you see, Evan, we're just making excuses for the guy. So that's true. We just make excuses. We make excuses. Um, there was another uh, part where it was like you know disagree, agree type scenario. Bruce Cassidy. Lots of people have complete faith in Bruce Cassidy's coach of the Bruins. Um, sixty-two percent said either completely agree or number six, which was like pretty much pretty much agree completely. Um, Jacobs, not as much. Uh, Jacobs, they were not so kind to. Uh, but a lot of people were seven, six, five, and four with him. But there were more three, two, and ones than the rest of the uh, the crew. Uh, which player on the Boston Bruins do you most admire for what they contribute to their team? Bergeron with twenty eight percent of the vote, obviously. That's won. shocking. Wow. Uh, Marshawn won eighteen percent. Got eighteen percent. And I'm just noticing this. You know who was third? Yaroslav Halak was seventeen percent. That is hysterical. Now, I mean. You know, good you, can, team player, you can admire that he came in and, you know, got them through the hurricanes and, but yeah, I mean, that is very ironic that he is number three uh, on that list. Charlie Coyle made the list as well, actually. And then we've it's already kind of ha- local guys, Kevin Hayes, top, uh, <laughs> top, top center <laughs> in the league. Uh, n- number six center in the NHL. It's just hysterical that all of Dorchester has teamed up to vote for that list. That's the biggest troll uh, and I've seen since uh, Zemgis Gergensen was in like the NHL All-Star game. <laughs> this whole country just voted him in. Um, I find that hysterical. Uh, which player on the Bruins, for whatever reason, does not or did not meet your expectations? This I did tweet. You probably saw this. Yes. Rask, 35%. Backus, Shocking. 17%. Which uh, Backus makes sense. Nick Ritchie, 8%. That makes sense. Danton Heinen, 6%. Chara, 3%. Chara's on this list like every year. But the yeah. other, I mean, Rask at 35 Rask was a Vez came set came in second for Vesna. Like the, I, <laughs> I like how also two of the five guys aren't even on the fucking team anymore. Oh yeah, no. <laughs> and then one of them is for the guy that was traded for him. Like yes. Nick Ritchie's now higher than Dan Heinen, who has also made the list. So yeah, uh, and of course uh, it, it's funny how now there's people who said Chara has been slow for like seven years, and I've just been waiting for an actual maybe slight dip. This play, so now they're finally feeling validated about it. Yes. It's like, yes. all right, yeah, yeah, shocking. He's not a top pairing guy at 42, 42, 43 years old, whatever he is now. It's like, yeah, you know, he's been pretty solid for a few years when you thought he was washed, so. Yes. And last year, actually, I think Krejci was first on the did not meet, did not meet expectations, if I remember correctly. So that is historically like a bad look for Bruins, yes. for the respondents. I won't say Bruins fans, I'll say respondents. They are yes. Bruins fans, but they're not all Bruins fans. Yes. Um, what one player would you like the Bruins to acquire the most? These, number this one, hilarious. Connor McDavid at 17%. Uh, number Very two. Very bold pick. Bold pick. I know, right? I think that could happen. Um, Johnny Gaudreau, number two, uh, 16%. That's been kicked around before, so at least I'll give you that. That, I guess, is kind of realistic. Guy. Yeah, it makes sense. Local guy. Well, local BC. Uh, Nikita Kucherov. Third, 15%. I don't think that's happening anytime soon. No. The, and this goes to show the next two options show that people like are kind of delayed on their NHL reactions. Like because mm-hmm. someone was great like four years ago, they're just kind of yeah. getting around to it. It's like news in the old days where it would take yeah. like, you know, a hundred days to get out news delivered from by, one day. Delivered by carrier pigeon. Yes. Uh, Steven Stamkos, 11%. Nothing against Stamkos, but there are a lot Played. of guys that can think of <laughs> I'd want before him. Played less than three minutes in the playoffs, and they still scored won. a goal. Though scored a goal, he did. Um, 
This one is the most baffling. Carey Price at 6%. Carey Price. I mean, dude, he's been the best goalie for the last, you know, at least five years, right? Oh, he's yeah. He's kept that record going. I mean. Yeah. Incredible. <sighs> I, it's the money he makes. The uh, I mean, you want to talk about a goalie who makes a lot and doesn't really live up to it. Carey Price. Injuries. Not, I mean, has not historically got the Canadians deep. The one time he got to the conference final, he got hurt, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I... It ruins fans. If you don't like Duke Rask, you would hate. You would stop rooting for the team if Carey Price was the goaltender with his current contract and yep. with everything he brings. You would hate it. Hate it. And Carey Price is elite. I, like, I'm not saying he's bad, but, I mean, good God. Like, to think that Carey Price – I love when they pull the players every year. Like, the Athletic will pull the players. And, like, you know, goalie fear the most, Carey Price. It's like, really? That's who you fear the most? But so be it. Yeah. So be it. Bruins fans are going to be like, yeah, I wish they had like Danny Heatley. It's like someone from like <laughs> 08 who's now like just slightly yeah. off by a decade or so. Yeah. I wish they had Jonathan Chichu. Uh, <laughs> so number five, I think number six, Victor Hedman at 6%. That makes sense. I mean, you're not getting him, but like he would. Yes. Be, they could use a Victor lot of Hedman teams right would now. love to have Victor Hedman. Um, so. So, in your opinion, what could the Boston Bruins do to improve their team? Number one, continue to keep, make sure to get younger and youth, 23%. <laughs> You'll like number two. More physical play in the, on the ice overall, 20%, number two. Um, yeah. Reliable, consistent, stronger goaltending, 15%, number okay. three. Better and stronger scouting and draft, 10%. Build and improve uh, and strengthen the third and fourth lines, uh, 5% at the last place. You know what answer should be first? Uh, better scouting and drafting should be number one. I don't know why that's yeah. not number one. Anyone who follows the team should know that this team blows at drafting and has for a while now, um, and it's pretty clear. I'm very surprised that was not number one. I mean, I, I guess if, for a group that hates Rask like this, I guess you might expect nothing less, but like, I would expect that that should be number one. I was actually kind of surprised that number one is like embracing the the youth movement because I feel like you know we're gonna check back in February and March and it's gonna be you know Zaboral and on these guys getting like sixteen seventeen minutes a night and understandably these guys are probably if they're getting those minutes have a little bit of good a little bit of bad you know the typical bumps in the road that come with adjusting to the NHL so like you know Bruins fans gonna be have a Give these guys a really long leash in terms of you know any mistakes they make on the ice. So oh yeah, you know you know that's gonna happen, right? Where it's gonna be like, what the fuck, yo? We got Zaboral here. He's a first round pick, and so didn't you know, hit the pad. Like, what are we doing here? We should have signed Chara. Like I said, after like yelling the entire offseason of not signing Chara. So yes. The fact that I think people are ready to embrace the movement, which I guarantee you it mostly has to do with Jack Sinica, which like when Jack Sinica does not stop the year in the NHL, people are going to lose their shit. Or but, when he has like, you know, like five points in his first 15 games, people are like, oh, what? The, what? Yeah. Yeah, what? Exactly. So it's, I, I can't wait for that either because the, both of those things I think are likely to happen. Um, and as we say all the time, if Sinica scores, you know, 100 points here, wins the Calder, Amazing. Like, great. But I think people's expectations are, like, a little, and by a little, I mean way too high um, for for him. I mean, again, I hope he pans out. I'm not saying he's not. But as we say, like, you can't expect this kid to walk in and be, you know, immediate an immediate impact the way that you think he's going to be. Um, right. 
So the last section of the, the poll, what the fans are saying. So people, I guess, left quotes and they picked the best ones. So one person said, well, I always believe in family first, but Tukaraska to this team was in such poor form. Do you know how many players over time have sacrificed for the better good of the team? We're fans and we get pissed off at someone like him for doing that. But at the end of the day, we are just fans. What he did to his teammates is the real issue. That is your job with a bunch of exclamation points. These coworkers are depending on you and we're in a situation where, or, and were in a situation where they could have achieved more had you not abandoned them. I used to have so much respect for that guy, one of my son's favorite players. Now I cannot wait until they get rid of him. How can they ever trust that guy again? <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Um, that's Marty from Weymouth. No, I have no idea who that is. Uh. <laughs> it's, probably, it's probably who it was. I mean, so, someone asked me about it before, of like, what do you think the players – reaction to the Rask thing is and it's like listen was it disappointing yeah no shit like I'm I'm sure you would love to have your fucking Vesna finalist goalie in net for you during this fucked up playoff series this format that you had to go through um it's like are they gonna like just hold this against him off of a thing where you had to go visit like you had to be home because of a family emergency it's like I don't know. You, you look at hockey players and the stuff they go through over the course of a season and what they buy into when a, when a cup and it's like, all right, you know, these guys, if it's eating up pucks and getting injured and playing through broken ribs and separated shoulders, that's just part of the gig, right? That's part of the job as you know, like uh, that's what you do when it's you're in a, a pandemic and an emergency that hasn't hit, this country in over a hundred years and you're having a medical emergency at home and you're separated from them and it involves your kid. That's not part of your job. Like, you know, that's not what you sign up for when you become a hockey player is to just tune that out to go play a fucking game. Like that's, I mean, the way I view it. And, um, you know, again, you're not going to go into this year having players be like, yeah, I know it sucked what Tuga did. Yeah, no shit. You're not going to hear that. But I, I mean, I think honestly that, there's that disconnect between what these players kind of sign up for when they become hockey players and what they invest in to win a Stanley cup and what the circumstances that Rask faced, I don't think have any bearing on, um, you know, the, you know, unwritten rules of, you know, hockey and what these guys all kind of collectively buy in for. I, I don't think you can make that comparison at all. If you do, I think you're a shithead. So, yeah, I mean, the only, the only sus thing Rask did was he didn't tell his teammates. That was like what pe- got people pissed off. And I think there's a little bit of there like, oh, Rask should have went in and told the team. Like, I, I still think that, you know, I mean, if he can, if there was an opportunity to, if there's a one flight home, you got to make it. That's yeah. totally different. You know, then you got to go. But the fact that that was kind of not really told to the team, always kind of was like the one thing that like, if you could go back yeah. and redo, probably could redo. Uh, but the rest of it, you're right. Like you don't sign up for, Oh, you know, my, my son is having this at home. Oh, I gotta go play a game. Sorry. Sorry, kid. So, sorry. Sorry. Wife and kids who are left alone in a pandemic. You guys fend for yourselves. Uh, yeah. it's like, it, it doesn't, it, that does not make sense. Like doesn't make sense. Um, Someone else said, what I see when I look at the Boston Bruins is just plain inconsistency. It is just as simple as that. They are not consistent from night to night. The lines do not play consistently, and they are inconsistent in the playoffs from game to game. Individual players lack consistency. You could not win a cup that way, and it is frustrating because it is as hard to fix as it is hard to watch. Now, 
I think there is a legitimate critique that they are inconsistent at times. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't think that's that far off. I don't think yeah. that's like completely far off. It's just, we kind of read it in that Bruins fan voice. So we kind of laugh at it, but I don't think that's that far off. It's nowhere near the Rask comment. Um, no. So that's the survey. That was the survey this year. Those were all the Bruins questions. Um, there was some other stuff based on like where the Bruins rank among the other sports. And I believe the Celtics passed them. The Celtics and the Bruins always are like one and two. Yeah. Um, they're always right there. So it's not, yeah. Like which of the following, um, uh no, actually never mind. That was I think I, I think it. I saw I think Celtics were just ahead of them. It's like Patriots overwhelmingly, Red Sox, even though they've dipped quite a bit, and I think Celtics are ahead by maybe two or three percentage points, I wanna say. So but those it, that's kind of what the tier have been, the tiers have been, right? Like the Bruins and Celtics are always kind of going back and forth. Yeah. The Bruin it's always usually Patriots by a mile, Red Sox like in between third and first. And then Celtics and Bruins fighting for, uh, three, the three spots. So, yeah, uh, I don't think it's that far off. I think, uh, and most people put the Bruins and Celtics as the team next prime to win a championship. So I think yeah. that's also pretty interesting too. Uh, before I let you go, Connor, uh, anything that you're working on at BSJ that people can look forward to? Yeah, we have a few projects we're working on. Uh, we're looking at uh, a few prospects that we're hoping are, at least Bruins fans are hoping are going to make a, uh, a big step forward this year. So we'll be talking to a few younger players um, in the coming weeks. We have a breakdown on some of the best trades in Bruins history in the post lockout era. So we'll be looking at that. There are a few that are uh, recent that are on the list so far that we're kind of combing through some good, some not so good. So uh, we'll have all that over at BSJ. So subscribe at bostonsportsjournal.com and you can follow me on Twitter at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Go do all that. Uh, for Poke the Bear, I'm Evan Marinovsky. That's Connor Ryan. You have yourselves a great rest of your day. Mm-hmm.